Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hello, everyone, and happy Wednesday, or if you're listening to this on some other day of the week that is not Wednesday, then happy whatever day it is for you. Um, so I want to ask you a question today. When was the last time you laughed so hard that either you ne- nearly peed yourself or you were crying? It feels so good to laugh like that, doesn't it? I remember sitting next to my best friends in high school and we would be trying so hard not to laugh that it would just make us laugh even more. I feel like if you want to guarantee that I'm going to bust up laughing, just stick me in a classroom, tell me to be quiet and pay attention and it's all over from there. I actually recently was on a Zoom call with um, some of the She Built This ladies, and we had a moment where this lady froze, and I couldn't help myself. Like, I just was dying laughing, like, to the point where I had to, I had to, like, move my face off camera because it was just too much. It's so funny. I love Zoom faux pas, which I will get into in this episode. Um, They're pretty much my favorite part of 2020 and 2021. So anyway, I've always kind of been like that, like I love silliness, but I, I, I do stifle it from time to time. I used to walk around priding myself on saying that I have a high threshold for humor and I wouldn't actively really find much in life that was funny. Um, and I, I don't know why that is exactly. I guess I just thought I had to be so, so super serious all the time or something. But it's kind of like not really that fun. I mean, you can take your work seriously and you can and should take your work seriously. But I bet that we could all benefit from taking ourselves just a little bit less seriously. Um, For me, a lot of the decision to change and be a little bit more silly has also come through as I've been part of She Built This because I realize that people don't need you to be grim and serious all the time. And they want to see your real personality and sense of humor come out. Um, So now I would say that I am loosening up just a little bit and also realizing that life is way too short not to have a little fun. So that's a work in progress for me personally. I'm, I'm really working on finding things that are fun and enjoyable outside of work because I really love my job. Like I love, I have great clients and they know how to laugh and have a good time. So they just make my work super fun. Um, but for me, it's really important to find things that feed my soul and also make me laugh outside of that. So This month in She Built This VIP, we are focusing on self-care for the month of March. So I thought it'd be the perfect time to introduce you to Pasha Marlowe, who will share with us all about how laughter can actually be a way through pain and stress and trauma and laughter itself just in and of itself can actually increase the joy in our lives and this is not what you think you don't need to be a comedian you don't need to be married to a comedian or walk around telling yourself bad dad jokes 
anybody can learn this art of bringing more laughter into their lives. And that is what Pasha is going to talk to us about. Now, in true jokes on me fashion, um, I we had a little technical issue and we couldn't get on the same page. So we had to switch to Zoom to record this. And because we were on Zoom, I don't know what was happening, but my microphones were like not working with one another. So you are going to hear a little bit of rustling noise throughout the episode. And I really encourage you, I know audio is important, um, but please look past that just for this one episode. Don't be so serious with me. And um, I promise it will be great. And also one more thing, just to throw myself under the bus. I have this problem with pronouncing people's names. And like, even when they tell me how to pronounce it, like Pasha said, it's Pasha, it's Pasha. Pasha, like pasta, I still can't say it right. So that's another jokes on me, but it is Pasha like pasta. Pasta like pasta? I don't know. This is the problem. She's going to be so mad when she hears this. Anyway, without further ado, let me introduce Pasha Marlowe, who holds a master's in marriage and family therapy. She works as a laughter and pleasure coach. She is the host of the podcast, Let Pleasure Be the Measure, and she's the leader of the Midlife Mischief and Merriment Facebook group. Her new book, My Next Husband Will Be a Lesbian, came out, pun intended, in February of 2021, and she coaches women individually and in groups and empowers them to speak their truth, claim their desires, and then release them into the universe via a conversation, book, speech, or comedy routine. Pasha believes that holding our stories, shame, and secrets in our bodies leads to chronic illness and pain, and her greatest pleasure is hanging out with her three children and exploring new adventures and ideas. She currently lives in Portland, Maine, where a little piece of my heart is, with her husband and youngest child. And without further ado, here is our interview. <laughs> Just kidding. She built this would never have a laugh track, but maybe I should have one so that you know when you're supposed to laugh at my hilarious jokes. Okay, now really without further ado, here we are. Hi, Pasha, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Emily. I had a feeling you were going to say that because you seem like a very, <laughs> you seem like the kind of person that's doing great a lot, which is awesome. Um, so there are like so many places we can go with today's conversation and I'm super excited to have you. But I think, you know, I read your bio before you um, joined us, but I'd love to hear from your perspective who you are and what you do. Awesome. Thank you. So I am a laughter and pleasure coach, which is not a thing until I made it a thing because I thought it needed to be a thing. I used to be a marriage and family therapist. And then for a couple decades, I was a wellness professional, holistic personal trainer, a health coach. And I loved that work, but I wasn't having enough fun. And I was almost 50 at the time, and I decided, how can I create a job that brought me more fun and pleasure? And that's when I created, I'm going to become a life and laughter coach. And then that evolved into laughter and pleasure coach, because I, I think that we need to, especially as women, access our pleasure more, which allows us to access our laughter more. Oh, it's so Fascinating. And I think you're right. Um, I think a lot of things that we do to ourselves women, as women is in the name of like forcing ourselves to be a certain way or act a certain way or 
basically just forcing ourselves to do things. Mm. And so I love the alternative to that, which is what if you just did something because it was fun? <laughs> I know, radical, right? It's funny. I, um, I just wrapped up working with a coach and she challenged me to sit down and make a list of things that I thought were fun. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I have, this is going to be a very short list. Like I couldn't even think of anything. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people come to you with that same woe. So like, how do you kind of start? Well, I want to rewind. I, I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about like how you got into specifically doing this, because I think you have some unique, um, life happenings that kind of led you to this work. So do you want to share those? And then we can dive into like, where do you even start when you're considering having more fun in life? Yes, definitely. And I think it's really important because a lot of people might listen to this and think, well, that's great for her that she can be a laughter and pleasure coach. I have, you know, kids at home or an illness or um, some trauma. And what I want to say is that all of this work that I do came from a place of trauma and grief and heaviness. And um, for me, it was about a year and a half ago when my youngest son, I have three children, two are adults. My youngest is now 13. When he was 11, he became very ill. And since that time, he he doesn't really walk on his own. He sometimes doesn't toilet on his own. He hardly goes to school. He actually spends, I would say, 75% of his time on the couch in our living room feeling pain. So that's obviously a place as a mama of deep grief and loss, loss of his childhood, loss of his ability to play and move without pain. And it was from that place of grief and fear and loss that we we were in a very dark space where at one point he wanted to take his life because the pain was so intense and constant. And in facing death, and this was before 2020, mind you, so when we we're all facing, the, I guess, our mortality more, but in 2019, when we were facing these issues of mortality, I spent a lot of time crying on the bathroom floor and I started to realize that the one thing I hadn't tried, because I tried the therapy and the yoga and the meditation and the exercising and the journaling and all the things we're supposed to try, right? I hadn't tried laughter. And I don't know where exactly that came from, except that I happened to be reading about the Holocaust of all things. And in Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl, he was saying that the people who survived the Holocaust were those who could laugh together in community. And it just hit me at the perfect time, of course. And I started to access the uh, research about laughter and humor. And then I started to mindfully and bravely, I would say, start to watch comedy routines and not just silly comedy, um, or crude comedy, but I would type in the browser and I would encourage any of your listeners to do this. Stand-up comedy, divorce, stand-up comedy, cancer, stand-up comedy, bullying, whatever it is you're dealing with. And from that, you will find absolutely some brilliant comedians, intellectual, sophisticated comedians who are turning their trauma into their comedy to take their power back. And I was witnessing these transformations, specifically comedians like Hannah Gatsby and Tig Notaro, who both have specials on Netflix, and watching them move through their trauma and feeling like this is possible. This is possible that we can start to move through our pain um, through humor and through 
laughter. And so my son and I started to do this in all the hospital visits and during all the painful treatments and medications. And I was seeing a shift in his emotional state. He's still physically in pain, but his emotional state was improving and he was no longer suicidal, thank goodness. And so he started to heal. I started to heal. And then I started to bring that work into my coaching. And more quickly than any time I'd ever experienced as a health coach or even a marriage and family therapist, I was seeing transformation specifically in women when they were able to be seen and heard through the lens of humor, reframe their stories through the lens of humor and, and find their funny and find the funny in even the world that didn't at all seem funny. Um, it's powerful. So we took our power back and, and then I just said, this is something I have to learn and teach and it's teachable. And it's like, you could practice it, you could teach it, you can learn it and, um, and you could become funny and you can learn to find the funny. So, it, but in short, it came from a place of grief and trauma as most comedians do come from that place. So did you at all get any um, like judgment from other people or maybe even yourself? Where you were like, well, I shouldn't be making this reverent, this solemn situation. Like, what lack reverence and and make humor out of it? Or is that kind of part of what we need to overcome? Is like not judging ourselves for thinking things should be solemn when we can still find humor in the situation. It did feel very vulnerable and scary to put it out there because I would write a post about suicide and comedy and interestingly, it just resonated with people. People were um, extremely welcoming of this idea. And I, I honestly did not feel any shame from, from the public, um, from my friends, from my family. Um, there was a, certainly a hesitancy for me. But what happens for most people is they look back on their traumas, even losses of parents or um, children or pets. And with time, in looking back with with that perspective around the edges and the parameters of almost all experiences, there is a little bit of humor to be found in it, even if it's in the ridiculousness of it. Like 2020 is now, it was so bad, it's funny, right? Um, and we could go into other you know, political, social things, but like it's almost so bad, they're funny. And sometimes it's in the fact that it's bizarre or the timing of it might've been funny or the irony in the situation. Um, but I think that, that it really relieved me almost instantly um, of any of that shame when I would receive comments and messages of people saying, the only way I made it through my cancer was laughing. The only way I made it through losing my mom was laughing. I would, and every day I get these messages. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's something that should be normalized um, so that, so that people can embrace it a little bit more. So I want to share with everyone, just like a little experience that you and I had, um, we first met in the, she built this group and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most fascinating business and I need to have her on my show. But then, um, I, I went to a talk of yours on clubhouse, which I think was drop the bullshit. Is that what it was called? <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So anyway, I had just had kind of a, I had two back-to-back -back podcast interviews, neither of which went well at all. One of them 
which made me be like, this is the thing I love like doing the most. And I hate it right now. <laughs> like I just want to, yeah, it was so bad. And I just want to give it up. And I was starting to like question the point of it and you know, all these kind of silly. And, and actually like to your point, when I look back on the situation, I'm like, it's hilarious. Like if it was a sitcom, it would be so funny. Right. Um, but so I went for, I went for a walk because that's like one way I helped myself to reset. And I, I joined your room and by the end of it, like you had these activities going in there that got people cracking up and you had this activity where you had everyone just laugh for like an, an exorbitantly long time. <laughs> like 45 like, seconds. Yeah. I was like, I've never laughed this hard or this long. Um, but by the end of that, you're just in stitches because A, you're hearing everybody else laugh, which is hilarious. And B, you're finding that inside, you know, I think it's like deep kind of inside your, your diaphragm or your stomach. It's, it's just like does something when you laugh like that. And it makes you, it just like creates happiness. And my mood completely turned around. Like I did a complete 180 that day. And I was like, that was awesome. And I think we need to almost like, I don't know if, if you would consider it tricking ourselves, but we like we need to trick ourselves into seeing those moments in the everyday. Absolutely. And, and back to the laughter, you know, we can simulate it even for 10 seconds and shift our, our mood and our energy. It's a, it's a cathartic, it's a release. It's one of the many beautiful ways to move through the stress cycle. And um, it's of course easy to access, but sometimes when I'm teaching laughter, when I go into clubhouse or when I start a coaching call and obviously the mood is maybe heavy or people are a little hesitant, sometimes we'll just start with breathe in and exhale. Ha. Huh. And it's just like a sigh. And then I'll say, okay, let's do that again, but just do three ha's in a row. So it's breathe in, ha, 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 which of course sounds a little bit like a laugh. And then if I say, what if you did 10 times? And then it's like, ha, 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 ha. And before you know it, it's almost, you can't even help yourself. You're laughing. So sometimes the 10 ha's do it. Then, it, then I progressed to 10 seconds. You, you happen to step into the advanced group of the 45 second laugh off. And, and everybody always says, I feel so much better. And they, they don't, they're like, what? Nothing was funny. And it's like, no, laughter isn't about humor and about being funny. Laughter is just this physical release of stress and emotions. And, you know, your endorphins go up and your cortisol goes down and your pain disappears for those 10 to 45 seconds. So why not? Oh, I'm going to try this during my next uh, period, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, I think you're right. Like, even if you are laughing sarcastically in that moment, you're like, okay, she just told me to do this. So I'm going to pretend. And, and I think it really does work. So you, you kind of almost answered a question that I have. Do you think that even if somebody is funny, is not funny, that they can still like make themselves laugh essentially. Oh yeah. Like I, I just, I definitely see them as separate laughter and humor. Um, so you can absolutely make yourself laugh at any moment of any time, even if laughing through tears, you can even do, you know, you can laugh at a funeral if you wanted to, but then to be funny, I think requires finding the funny. Um, and some people were just fortunately born into families that valued humor and laughter and it might come to them a little bit more easily or naturally, but then people like me who were born into a family that didn't value laughter or humor or even pleasure. I was born to believe like leisureness is laziness and idleness is death. Like those were the words they used. And so for me, it felt reckless, shallow, um, 
unsophisticated, but, um, but I think if we start to realize the power behind it, like one, we're going to have more fun. We're going to probably laugh more, but then the mundane everyday tasks can be fun and pleasurable. We could find humor in sadness. We could find humor in like, when I, I haven't gotten to many car accidents, but now when I have like a little, like uh, let's say fender bender, like almost immediately, I think, okay, not funny now, but someday this will be funny. Or if my son's in the hospital and we're lying there and there's, you know, a painful or scary procedure, not at the moment, not at all funny, but we know that with time, something about this will be funny. And yeah. so if you, if you get that in your head, it starts to reframe things quickly so that the time between the trauma and the comedy decreases. Um, with practice. And I've seen this happen with my son so many times. I don't know if this is an okay time to offer an example, but I think it will help the, the parents out there. Can I share an example? Oh gosh. Yeah. You don't have to ask permission. Okay. <laughs> this isn't school. <laughs> I'm raising my hand, but you can't see me because we're on audio. Can I, uh, can I say something? Um, my son woke up the other day and he was crying and he sleeps with me often because of the pain. And he's woke up and the first thing he said is, mom, I hurt. I would do anything to feel better. Um, make it go away. I'd do anything to feel better. And in the past, before we accessed humor, I would probably start crying and hug him and say, I'm so sorry. You're, you're sick. I'm so sorry. You're in pain. Um, what can I do? What can I do? But um, now I know how to move him through the stress cycle a little bit better. Um, and for, so what he does, he wakes up and he says, mom, I'm in pain. I do anything to feel better. And I said, you'd do anything. And he said, yes, I would do anything. And I said, what would you do? And now he's not crying. And he says, I don't know. I'd eat eyeballs. Like you'd eat eyeballs. He said, yeah. I said, that's disgusting. What kind of eyeballs would you eat? He's like, I don't know. Fish eyeballs. <laughs> He's like, horse eyeballs, warthog eyeballs. I'm like, warthog eyeballs? That sounds gross. How many warthog eyeballs would you eat? He's like, I don't know. My favorite number is 21. So I get, now he's smiling. Like 30 seconds ago, he was crying. Yeah. Like, I like, the number 21 is my favorite number. So I'd eat 21 warthog eyeballs if I could feel better. And now we're laughing one minute later. And that's one of many, many examples of how we easily access humor in an everyday situation that would I mean, normally honestly do. i'd eat 21 warthog eyeballs for no cost <laughs> just to see what that was like you are a brave crazy woman <laughs> i'm kidding um i'm just kidding <laughs> so i want to know you know one question i have is and this is just totally for fun, but like, you know, when you type ha 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 or LOL or LMFAO online, what yeah. do you, I want to know what you type. That's so funny. You asked that. Cause I never, I'm like 50. So LOL, like, is like, that's really weird. Um, I, and I don't do the, um, LM, I don't know, or the, the F one. I, not that I don't say the F word, but I just don't know that one as well. So I'm old. Um, I say ha ha ha, like type out ha ha. Cause I'm old or I do that emoji. I love the laughter through tears emoji. Me too. Sideways kind of like, ah, this is so hard, but I'm laughing emoji. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. I just do one big ha, like a giant ah. HA, <laughs> but that's how I laugh. I'll, I'll like, I'll just give something like a ha. That's great. Ha. Yeah. 
everyone has their own laughter, which is so wonderful when I do this on Clubhouse or on Zoom and I just hear everybody's laughter. I mean, you cannot help. It is contagious, obviously, but it's also so endearing to hear the different tones and, you know, um, rhythms of laughter. So I want to ask you another question, which I want you to relate back to your, um, your Zoom story, because I think in during this time, you know, there's a lot of frustration with things that have been taking place virtually. And it, it can be like, I think technology can be a big source of like overwhelm and frustration for people. My number one, probably my number one funniest thing this past year is like when stuff happens on Zoom. So like, I, I love when people are muted and they're talking. I find that hilarious. I love, <laughs> I love when people are like, hold on, we're just waiting for everyone to come in, you know, for like the first 20 minutes. Um, and you have a fantastic Zoom story about like, well, I'll let you tell the story. I'm trying to figure out which one I'm going to tell. Are you talking about the one during my show? Yes. Okay. Okay. So it was my first comedy performance. I had like finally, you know, got the courage to produce a comedy show. I led women through this eight weeks of Roar With Laughter program, which culminates in a big live show, which had to be on Zoom because of COVID. And I practiced, no kidding, maybe 20 hours that week. And then all day that day, I like, nobody was going to talk to me. Nobody come into the room. Like, just let me get through this show. Nobody touched the Wi-Fi. Nobody touched the TV. Nobody touched anything that would mess with the show. And, and like my husband and son heard it. They saw it on my face. This is important. So I was doing the show. I, you know, got the zoom going. We had 80 to hundred people in the audience. We had the eight people in the cast up. Everyone was ready. And my husband trying to be kind decided that to be really quiet, they would go down to the basement to watch star Wars instead of in the living room, which is on the same level as where I am. So Without maybe thinking it through, he took the, um, I don't know, fire stick, whatever you call it, um, downstairs and tried to activate the TV. And I do not know what happened on a technical level, but something happened where the Wi-Fi went out when he did that. And I was frozen in this <laughs> funny face during the show, during improv. We do half an hour of improv in the beginning of the show. And I was in the middle of talking and I froze. So because it was improv, everybody figured that I was improving. Everybody figured they were like supposed to fill in the blank. Um, I don't know, finish the story, find out what Pasha's thinking. Like they started playing games with, why is she doing that? And then five minutes later, they just realized I was frozen. And brilliantly, the cast continued on with improv and continued on with the show. 20 minutes later, and this is when I use the F word, I am screaming, yelling, like freaking out. I can't figure out how to get back on. And I, and, and somehow in there, the Wi-Fi came back on. My husband must have realized. So I get back on into the show. I finished the show <laughs> and I go downstairs and and they're just looking so guilty. Like they know they messed up and I, I lost it. I, that, that, that was not a good night. That was not a pretty night, but looking back, see, I'm laughing about it now because I'm now I'm focusing on the, the frozen zoom thing. It's hilarious. And, yeah. And how everybody just assumed it was a game and they were making up games around my face. Like they literally did five minutes of a show in front of 80 people around what's Pasha thinking. And oh my God. turned it into a game, which I think is really smart. So I had, I, I had a um, peer group with the, she built this members and this one lady froze and I was crying. So like I was laughing so hard that I was crying and I couldn't stand up straight. I was like, I need to get a grip because 
because this is not professional. <laughs> so there's a great question. Why do we always correlate with be, be, being professional with like not busting up laughing and crying laughing, you know? Yes. I think that is a limiting belief we need to bust through because engagement, like client engagement, student engagement, engagement from our kids comes from a place of laughter. I say you can't have an aha without a ha ha. That's so, funny. Yeah. If you get people to laugh, they're listening, they're more awake, they're more engaged, and research shows that there's more trust and relatability and confidence in the leaders who can laugh. And so I think in that relatability, there's a sense of belonging and community that happens. So I think it's more professional to bring humor into the you know, boardroom or Zoom room or wherever you are. Yeah. Um, I want to know what your husband thinks about all this and whether or not he, <laughs> whether or not he finds you funny and whether or not he is funny. He's pretty pissed off because he is definitely the funnier one of the two of us. And so for 53 years, he was the funny one. I was a serious one who talked about trauma and fitness and anxiety. And that was like the lane we were in. And he really enjoyed that. And then I said, well, I'm just going to become a laughter coach now. And now I'm doing comedy shows and now I'm a comedian. And he's a, he was a little bummed out by it. Like, oh, I thought I was the funny one. He's like, what do I do now? And, and then I was like, well, you catch the mice and you take out the trash, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, he he definitely embraces this new me. It's I, I honestly feel like I have a different personality. Like when you can access a lens of humor, everything is more fun. I joke like I can play with myself more now. Like even in moments of insomnia, I'm having so much more fun with myself because now I realize I could play with words, thoughts phrases, images, like I just have an opportunity to access laughter and pleasure so quickly now that everything is easier and better for me. So he sees that and he certainly sees the healing that is brought to my son. So no complaints there. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more in a minute, but he's not terribly excited about my new book, which... <laughs> It's I was funny. going to ask you about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called My Next Husband Will Be a Lesbian. And um, it has some humor in it, but it's also, it's also serious. And it's 20 women contributing to this book who are identifying as LGBTQ and they're coming out loudly and bravely in this book, anywhere along the LGBTQ, LGBTQ spectrum. And he's not completely enthralled with that book title. Um, and yet he's supportive of the fact that I need to speak my truths and reclaim my power and desire in all the ways now. Like it released, the comedy released a whole nother side of me that felt empowered to tell the truth in all parts of my life. So on that note, um, what is laughter, I guess, what is laughter and pleasure um, do for us physiologically? Because there's a lot more going on than what meets the eye. It's not just about looking in the mirror and like making funny faces and making yourself laugh. Yeah. I mean, I've read research that it says it regulates hormones, which I mean, as a menopausal woman whose hormones are like crazy right now, I'm in for that. Plus it increases endorphins, it reduces cortisol, it re reduces your blood pressure, it relaxes your nervous system. Um, it, you know, I can go on and on. It's, it's going to 
feel more in alignment. You're going to feel like you're in alignment with your purpose and your passion, but your nervous system isn't going to feel so fried. And in these times of heightened stress and uncertainty, I think we need that extra support. Yeah, I agree. We need it now more than ever to be yeah. to be able to look at things through a different perspective and lens. And humor and laughter is really a, it's a social experience. You know, we're connecting, we're interacting and um, we need that right now too, because we're obviously feeling more disconnected and lonely. So there's a great question. So what are you kind of recommending for people to do right now when obviously they can't go out and get drinks with their friend or go out to dinner with their friends and have a good laugh over a cup of coffee? Like what alternatives are you suggesting for people to connect with others through laughter or maybe just like you said at the beginning, maybe it's just about YouTubing funny videos. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're by yourself and you want to do it, absolutely. Um, go, you know, type in your browser comedy about whatever you want to see comedy about. Um, I think there's a lot of power in just finding funny memes and watching babies laugh or animals play if that's your thing. Um, but then if you're with people and you have the uh, opportunity to laugh with others, even if it's over the phone or in a Zoom call, I mean, saying a te- let's, let's 10 second laugh it out, you know, it's going to seem odd at first. Like, all right, family, we're going to start this family Zoom call with a 10 second laugh off. Not everybody's going to want to do it, but everybody's going to feel better because even if they are stoic and are watching everybody laugh, I guarantee they will crack a smile and it will shift things. I, so have, that's- I have three little brothers, so all it takes is a good fart joke and they're oh, like yeah. in stitches. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Farts and poop always win. And, uh, <laughs> laughter and humor. So there's that. And then, I mean, if you want to take it to the next level, certainly improv games, which are not scary as people think. A lot of people think improv means they have to be funny, but I'll often start my Zoom calls with my clients with something like today. I said, what color are you today? What what color do you feel like you are today? And it just gets them to think about it in a way that's not so, you know, in their head. It's a little more heart space, a little more creative. Or I'll say, say how you're feeling, but say the opposite. Like it's opposite day, everybody. Say the opposite of how you're feeling. You know, all of these things, you, you don't have to be funny to do them, but it shifts how you're thinking about your emotions and allows you to maybe even get deeper into the truth of the emotions. And now you're sharing and now you're connecting and now there's probably some, some giggling. Um, and that, that seems to be really fun and easy. And yeah. I'm, even on Clubhouse, I've been doing some improv exercises and it's been fun. I loved the improv exercises you did on Clubhouse. I was like, these, these are funny <laughs> and fun. Um, all right. So this was really awesome. Do you feel like I missed any questions that you were just like dying to answer? <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think one of your questions is what's in the power of a laugh. And I just want to reiterate that you can absolutely take your power back when you see things through the lens of humor. I've seen people perform their comedy routines, which in my shows are one to three minutes, where their oppressors or their abusers became the butt of their jokes. Mm. And that is so transformative. Um, And 
it's, it, it can be very um, empowering. And um, I just think that's a really important, I call it going from rupture to rapture in my Roar with Laughter program, which carries women over these eight weeks. But over those eight weeks, we go deep into our ruptures and our traumas and we hold space for that. We're not ignoring it or avoiding that or covering it up through the laughter at all. We're definitely honoring the truth of the experience, but then we're slowly alchemizing it, I say, and starting to reframe it so that we can find the humor in it and take our power back and then reclaim our desires and our joy and our laughter again when we yeah. feel lost it. And really start to heal from those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. How can we find and connect with you online? Where are you like easily accessible for folks? Well, if you're a website kind of person, you can go to PashaMarlo.com. Easy enough. And then on Facebook, Pasha Marlo. And on Instagram, Pasha Marlo. And on Clubhouse, Pasha Marlo. I, it is so easy. Like I didn't have to change my name or edit it at all. It's just Pasha Marlo, P-A-S-H-A. M-A-R-L-O-W-E on all those platforms. And then I have a podcast called Let Pleasure Be the Measure. And that's on all the all the places, Apple and Spotify and iTunes and all that. And then my book comes out on February 14th, 2021. My oh, well, that's Friday. perfect. Yeah. I, it's kind of a reclamation of Valentine's Day for me. Yeah. It's fun. Um, all right. So one last question. Mm-hmm. Maybe two. I'm not sure yet. We'll see how the, <laughs> we'll see how the first one goes. What was the funniest thing you you encountered today? Today, oh goodness, <laughs> my my son, um, he's lying on the couch, and I came over and he, I gave him a kiss on his forehead, and he kissed me back on my forehead, and he said. I kissed your six pack. And I'm like, what? And he said, all those wrinkles on your head. It's like, oh you have no. <laughs> He's like, it's like you have a six pack on your forehead. And I'm like, interesting. Like, first I was like, all right, now, like, let's be nice. But then I was like, well, that's a nice way to reframe my wrinkly forehead. I, I just have a very ripped, I have a ripped forehead. I like oh, it. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what is what do you find the funniest just like in general? I'm always curious to know about like what people's senses of humor are. Ah I when I watch Hannah Gatsby's Netflix special, Nanette, which is about trauma and sexuality and sexual abuse and autism. I mean, like it does not sound funny at all. It is so brilliantly funny. Um, she pulls in art history and patriarchy and deep, deep sophisticated comedy. And it cracks me up. It like brings me into belly laughter and I've seen it so many times. So I highly recommend her and she's who I watch if I need a giggle and, and to feel like to feel everything, feel all the emotions, including laughter and laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun as I thought it would be. And I hope that people, first of all, I hope people were laughing during this episode. And second of all, I hope people just really take this opportunity to embrace more laughter and pleasure in your life and, and take a moment to shift your perspective in how could this be funny in maybe even five minutes from now. Yes. Find the funny. Agreed. Thanks, Pasha.
Thank you so much, Emily. So glad to be here. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.